Hello, Sylvia. It's March 15th, uh, Sunday, going on 7 p.m. I'm sitting at my desk, and on my desk is sitting my cat. Uh, actually, rather, on my computer. It's rainy and cold outside. Uh, just when we thought it was kind of springtime, it got very winterish today. So, yeah, um... I have to say, I know it's been a while since I got your letter, and it's taken me a while to write back. I've, I've, uh, I've listened to your letter a few times now, and just very impressed that <laughs> you, you go out and see so much and do so much. And uh, at the in the meantime, I know you're doing lots of other things that obviously you're not talking about. So, yeah, um, and I'm always impressed at at uh, kind of your relationship with art and the art world and going to museums and kind of seeing these, you know, exhibitions and all of that, which is something I've never really been a... I don't know, I've never done so much. Um, I guess I've never felt the need to do it so much. I've, it, it, I don't know, I have a kind of, a somewhat a fraught relationship with the visual arts, I would say, and that I always, I always feel like... I'm I'm supposed to get more out of it than I'm often able to. Does that make sense? I don't know. Or, you know, as if... Um, I mean, I know that obviously, I mean, there's such a thing as art history, for example, so you can go to school to learn these things and to be able to... Or even with literature, right? I mean, the more we read, the better we understand each... Maybe how to... Or how to situate each book that we read... Um, and of course, there's always going to be a subjective and objective aspect to it. But I guess I've just always, I mean, it's very rarely do I react to, with too, I mean, subjectively, do I have strong reactions to a lot of the visual arts? Um, and then I feel like I'm objectively, I'm never equipped enough to properly appreciate art. Um, I should really not let that hold me back. And I should probably get more exposure to it. So yeah, so I will. Th I thank you for exposing me to some new things that, uh, even you know, via via our letters here that I didn't know about. So like Dwayne, is it Michaels? Um, that things are queer. I mean, you know, all things queer are beloved to me. So I really appreciate uh, <laughs> learning about learning about him, and yeah, I always I loved talking about you know, what queer means and what it's meant to me over time and what it means to other people. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, I think it, it really means non-normative. Um, but there's also this paradoxical aspect in which, you know, queer is kind of used as the label that meant you don't like labels. But in a way, it was so open that it therefore, in a way, it kind of, I don't know, it makes it, much more difficult to organize in terms of identity politics. Um, so I don't know. I think it's a you know a powerful and necessary word, and it's, but it, it's it's a word that has so many different I think subjective meanings to different people. That yeah, um, it's a really hard word to pin down, right? So I don't know how much we want to get into this. I can't remember how much we got into it because I was thinking when, you know, looking at these photos and, and also thinking, you know, that, I mean, I think the 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 photography itself, you know, speaks to that whole non-normative thing, right? That things, 
things here are weird. They're not the way they're supposed to be. And, and of course, in quotation marks, supposed to be. And I think that's, that's, that's what queer is, right? Um, so, and I was just thinking back to, you know, when we were, had the, when we first started kind of recording our voices together. And that was, you know, when we decided to read uh, Maggie Nelson's The Argonauts, which is such a, a great kind of masterpiece of queerness. Um, and yeah, so I pulled it off my bookshelf and, um, yeah, I've just been flipping through it a little bit again and yeah, I think I might want to, I might need to read it a third time. So, um, yeah, I don't know. So, so yeah, we we could, we could keep this ongoing thread about what queer means. <laughs> I would be perfectly happy to do so. Um, but yeah, I feel like I've been so, rather than, what have I been up to in this time? It's just really a lot of work. And then the past, um, you know, the, not this week, the week before last. Of course, this last week we were supposed to be in London. We weren't the week before that. Here we had this Istanbul Fellowship, which, um, you know, was was probably the, the last international event of publishing that will happen until this the whole coronavirus thing blows over. So I had a friend here from Taiwan who stayed with me, which was wonderful. And then we had quite a few evenings out with international guests, and including one night at uh, at a great drag show. I sent you a couple of photos. Um, that was, yeah, that was a lot, a lot of fun. Um, so, yeah, that's... And then I've, you know, been doing some some reading, reading some, some Turkish... Some, more some really... Turkish books for work. Um, I did read uh, just a couple of days ago Paradise Rot, which is a novel by Jenny Hival, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. She's a Norwegian. I guess she's a she's a, a, um, a musician as well, and a lot of people seem to know this. I I was not aware of that, um, or I haven't I haven't listened to her music at all. She uh, this this book that was given to me by, by my friend Kate. Um, at in Frankfurt, and she loaned it to me, and I said I would read it, and it's quite, it's, I mean, I was completely enthralled, it's a very, it's a pretty slim volume, I mean, I read it in just a couple of hours, I couldn't put it down, and it really, I thought, I think it's kind of this, you know, punk rock version of The Vegetarian by Hong Kong, which I wasn't that crazy about, Uh, I thought it got off, that one got off to a tremendous start, and then felt a little cliche to me, but, you know, I'm a very harsh judge, of kind of everything, including my own letters. I listen to these and I think, oh my God, I can't believe I just went on about this and that and the other. So anyways, um, yeah, Paradise Rot. Um, yeah, it just felt kind of punk rock and queer and raw in, in, in this way that I could really appreciate. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I, I'd be, I didn't, I haven't had a chance to look yet. I'd be interested to see if anyone's kind of put it side by side with the vegetarian and talked about kind of the the similarities and the, the, between the two. So yeah, and then other than that, I mean, I went back. You know, I read Rolla May, The Courage to Create, and I'm kind of reading Eric Fromm's The Art of Loving. It's him in my um, existential <laughs> psychoanalysis phase again. Um, but you know slim volumes that are always good to uh good to to turn to i think um and yeah listening going back and listening to a lot of nico case again recently i've 
really only now come to appreciate your latest album, this Hell On album from 2018. I don't know why I did not. I wasn't obsessed with it when it first came out, but, you know, it's a belated obsession on my part. Um, but Nico, I mean, wow, Nico Case, yes. Uh, maybe we should, I, well, yeah, uh, pick a couple of my favorite pieces these days and send to you. Yeah, and then, and then you know, cinema-wise, I think I've already told you I saw Birds of Prey and the Fantabulous Emancipation of One Harley Quinn, which, you know, was a, a lot of fun. And I saw Little Women, which I was kind of underwhelmed by, given all the hype about it. Um, it, I mean, I don't know. I don't want to, you know, my gosh, how how critical should I be? I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like it, it, the hype surrounding it kind of resembles a lot of often hype that surrounds certain books that people in publishing appear to apparently crazy about that we're not necessarily crazy about if that makes any sense um but yeah i mean even even the even the elements of of the movie that were you know were very clever and supposedly subversive were were seemed quite cliche to me so yeah um, when you mentioned older women and also Vivian Gornick, who I also want to read, it reminded me actually of a book I read a couple of years ago, which is called Out of Time by Lynn Seagal. I don't know if you've ever read her. I read uh, a couple of other a couple of her other books in the nineties, but she's um, you know a leftist feminist. I think I'm quite. I think we can say a Marxist feminist, uh, and she wrote this book called Yeah Out of Time: The Pleasures and Perils of Aging, um, which. Yeah, I I really uh, appreciated. Wow, this is Verso too, and Paradise Rot is also Verso. So I'm really uh, getting into the Verso books, I guess these days. Um, yeah, I really appreciated it at the time, and I know I marked it up some. I should pull out some quotes or something and see, um, kind of revisit it. I know I bought it because I was just before I turned forty, and I thought <laughs> this looks like a good book to read. So. Yeah, I really, I really um, like it. So if you're if you're into these days reading on kind of this theme of aging uh, and, and aging as a woman and aging women and older women, then maybe Lynn Seagal is someone for you to check out as well. Uh, I keep saying that I'm going to talk about India and then I avoid talking about India. And I've thought about this a lot. And I think maybe the reason I avoid talking about it is just because I think my impressions are necessarily so superficial that I don't even um, want to talk about them. And, and, and when I think about it, I think more about how I felt when I was there, um, which, you know, I, I felt kind of very, you know, white and Western and privileged, <laughs> um, even though, you know, I mean, I was... I was I don't. It's very difficult to. It, it's so difficult to describe, and you know, I'm always so afraid of saying the wrong thing, and this kind of comes back in a way to that. You know, when I was saying how, um, you know, the question produces a certain amount of anxiety. It, yeah, it's still the, the and also the question. You know, how are you produces anxiety. You know, how was India it produces anxiety because you have the norm, the normal answers, and then you have the the. The, the long-winded, honest answers. Um, 
that which which are kind of you know the queer answers maybe one could say um so yeah i don't know i mean i i keep going around and around even in my own mind about india but you know it was 11 days in three cities and um one of the beautiful aspects of it was just that i was you know with this friend of mine for 11 days and i think a long trip with someone where you're basically together for 24 hours a day can is can can test a friendship and thankfully you know this one passed with flying colors um and yeah i mean we saw some 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 beautiful sights and and whatnot but and the food was amazing i keep saying that but whatever i say it just feels yeah it feels a bit icky and in some ways and superficial and i don't i don't know i can't i can't do it justice um so yeah that's a kind of a wretched horrible answer right to how was india it was lots of things (laughs) um i think sometimes in my mind i think about comparing you know, I think about the the train stations and there, and I think about you know the Greyhound stations in the states and how those how those comparing kind of comparing, you know, poverty and 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 pub in these public spaces, in these ways, um, and then you you would say, well, what about in Turkey? What about in Istanbul? Right, which uh, doesn't occur to me immediately because it's not you don't have that and kind of train we we hardly have train stations anyways and you know the bus system is very different i don't know so kind of the the way that the the visible aspect of 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 poverty is is more comparable i think for me at least in these two spaces um yeah so i don't know I, i know it's horrible you know other than like i was saying also before about kind of all these prejudices we go with and i feel I, I do feel like I was hold, you know, holding myself back. I was always kind of in this self protective mode, um, which which I which I didn't like either. But I couldn't really bring myself to get out of it. But that's part of I guess being a foreigner in a foreign land, right? Um, I did read, you know, I whenever I go somewhere, I read something, some literature from that place. I try to read before, during, after. Uh, but I read Rohinton Mysteries, A Fine Balance, which uh, was wonderful. I was surprised it was such a page turner. I was a bit, it was kind of a last minute decision. It's been on my shelf for a very long time. And just as I was getting ready to go, I thought, oh my God, what book am I going to take? And I look and it's it's a pretty hefty tome. It's like six, 700 pages or something. And big pages, full pages too. Uh, but it really just, yeah, it was brilliantly, wonderfully written. And just this page turner and yeah. So I was glad I read that because I will say that at least, um, obviously, you know, reading something and and kind of while being in a place, the, these two uh, experiences enrich one another. So, yeah, it did did kind of open open my eyes to to uh, at least uh, you know the 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 experience there, and it, I learned a bit more about the politics to which I was relative relatively ignorant frankly um but yeah and now here we are in the midst of this coronavirus so um yeah maybe we'll that means we'll we'll have time to well to uh get some more 
get lots of reading in and watch lots of movies. I don't know. I don't know. I'm I'm rambling at this point, Sylvia, forgive me. But I will say uh, before I close here that I'm very curious to hear what you have to say about Portrait of a Woman on Fire. You know that I've seen it not once but twice. Both times I have, however, seen apparently censored versions as it is censored in Turkey, um, which is, you know, I, I you wouldn't know it. It's very masterfully censored. And I didn't realize it until someone told me and uh, who had seen it abroad and realized that, yeah, some things have been cut. So, you know, even having seen the the, the censored version twice, um, I think it's a, I don't know, I loved it. I loved it more the second time, so I'm really glad that I'm not going to talk about it. I'm, I didn't start talking about it until I saw it the second time. Um, yeah, so, and, you know, maybe there's a bit of um, prejudice in that it's Adele Anel who I'm kind of obsessed with and yeah there's, anyways I think yeah we'll, we'll talk about it you need to tell me what you think about it I think I want to hear your thoughts first and I want to let you know that it's fine that you don't uh, make all of your decisions movie watching decisions based on the Bechdel test I don't think you necessarily have to um but, yeah, um, I tend to be kind of guided by it, but of course I also am not completely closed off to watching things that do not make the Bechdel test. That said, one of the most wonderful things about Portrait of a Woman on Fire, was, I thought, was just how female-focused it was. And um, and also I thought, you know, it was much, much, much more than just this love story between two people. So... Um, yeah, but no, I'll wait to hear your thoughts more. You can tell I'm pretty excited to talk about it, though. So, um, yeah, I hope to hear from you soon. I hope you're keeping safe and healthy and, um, yeah, that everything's well in Austin. And I will, well, I hope to hear from you soon. Love you. Bye.